How is everybody doing today? Well, it's been a good service so far, hasn't it? I got to get my pulpit lined up, sorry. It'll drive me nuts all day if I'm preaching to this crowd right here. I want to preach to everybody. Is that all right? Is it all right if I preach to everybody? Well, you know, it's funny. When you ask the Lord to come and do what he wants to do, and then you let him do it, he'll come in and he'll just mess your plans all up. <laughs> That's what he'll do is he'll come and take what you think is going to happen and he'll do something completely different. Uh, but I am glad that I go to a church who is sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And the day that we lose that, we might as well just shut this place down and go do something else because that is what we have come to do today. We have come to experience the presence and the glory of the Lord. So I know that a lot of you just responded to to that altar call a while ago, but let me see your hand if you need a healing in your life. You need a healing in your body. Lift your hand one more time. You need healing. I'm not saying that you didn't just get healed because I have the faith that you did. But if you need a physical healing, you need emotional healing, lift your hand. Keep them up real quick. I just want to see who I'm preaching to today. Lots of hands. Look around you. There are so many people that are in this place today that need a healing touch. How many of you know that we still serve a healing God? He is still the healer. I have titled my message this morning, and I'm aware of what time it is, but we've already had our altar call, so we can just preach and then go home. I'm just kidding. No, we're going to lay hands on people again in a minute. So just get ready. We're just going to have church today. Is that all right? Is it all right if we just rear back and have some church? I've titled my message this morning, Healer in the House. Healer in the House. Divine healing is the number 12 of our 16 fundamental truths. But it's more than just a doctrine or a theological dissertation. I have not come today with any new profound or sensational points, although I would never uh, associate my ministry with that of Paul's, uh, but I can't help but think about when he said this, writing to the Corinthians, he said, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and of power, that your faith, did you catch that right there? That your faith does not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God, in the power of God. I've come today to build your faith. I've asked the healer to be in the house this morning, and he is here. It's evident that the healer is in the house. He's going to do miraculous signs and wonders and miracles in the lives of his people. The healer is in the house this morning. Rock of Ages, that old beloved hymn of the church, refers to him as the double cure. He's the double cure. In Jeremiah, he's the balm of Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul and makes the wounded whole. For the New Testament Christian, for the Pentecostal Christian, and I add specifically today for the Assemblies of God Christian, it is a reality and it should be a way of life. So I beg you this morning, let this message build your faith to receive what the Lord has for you today. He is ready and he is able and he is willing to give. But I ask you this morning, are you ready to receive what he has for you? Are you ready to receive your healing? Divine healing has been and is one of the bedrocks of our faith. It is one of the four cardinal or main doctrines of our Pentecostal Assemblies of God fellowship. If you didn't know, we are Assemblies of God. We are Pentecostal. We do speak in tongues. We do let the Holy Spirit move in our congregation. I'm glad to be a part of that church. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
We still believe in the moving of the Holy Ghost when we come to church. Sometimes instead of saying we are going to have church or when we're, we're, we're just going to come to church, I would rather say we're going to have church. Not just come to church, but we are going to have church today. I'm ready for the Holy Ghost to move in this place. And when he moves, when the Holy Ghost moves, and when, when he knows that he is in a place where people will let him do what he wants to do, things will happen. Things will happen when the Holy Ghost moves. Just like the man in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be reading about that today. If you want to get your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 5. We'll be looking at verse 17 through 26. Luke chapter 5. When you make an effort to get close to Jesus, he will reward your faith. When you make an effort to get close to Jesus, he will reward your faith. Faith moves the hand of God. Faith moves the hand of God. I want to help build your faith today. Again, I tell you, the healer is in the house today. Now, I want to say at the beginning of my message that sickness and death are not from God. Sickness and death are not from God. I'm talking to some people today who you have some deep-rooted bitterness in your heart towards God because you think that he's the one who made you sick. You think he's the one that, that brought all this on you. Maybe one of your loved ones died of cancer. Maybe one of your loved ones died of a sickness. And you have a deep-seated bitterness towards God because he let this happen. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, friend, God only lets things happen that are according to his will. There's nothing that's going to happen in your life that has not already been ordained by God himself. So I'm telling you today, some of you need to let that bitterness and you need to let that deep-seated uh, root of, of just hatred almost towards God because of what has happened in your life. That is not from God. God allows things to happen, but he only allows the things that can happen in your life of what you can handle. And I'm telling you today, some of you need to let that go today and realize that it was not God who brought the sickness on you. It was not God who brought death on you. God came to give you life and life more abundantly. I'm telling you, somebody, I'm talking to you today. I'm, I'm talking right to your spirit today. You need to get that right with, with that bitterness that you have towards God because you think that he is the one who made you sick. Did you know that there were some powerful prophets in the Bible who died of common sickness? There were people in the Bible who laid hands on the sick and like they died of sickness. I'm telling you, friend, it's not a, a deal where God says, I want to make this person sick and this one and this one. It's a deal that he, it comes from the devil himself. Sickness and death are not from God. In the early days of modern Pentecostalism, A.N. Trotter was a giant of the faith in the new Pentecostal movement called the Assemblies of God. He was a missionary and also the pastor of the prestigious Fremont Tabernacle in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ann Trotter said this, every attack of the devil is meant to destroy your faith in God and in his word. Every attack of the devil is meant to destroy your faith in God and in his word. If he can ever make you question God's authority, he's won. If he can ever make you question that God is not really who he says he is and he's not the good God that he says he is and you've allowed the devil to have a big foothold in your life. Many of you under the sound of my voice today have been or presently are under some kind of satanic and spiritual attack. 
The devil wants to destroy your faith, but my desire today is to build your faith. God wants your faith to be strong. Let's allow our faith to be built up. And we know that faith comes from hearing the word of God. So for my scripture text, again, turn with me, Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 17 and reading through 26. I had to bring my Yeti mug up here today because I needed some water. It's got a razorback on it, though. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? That's a very spiritual stand right now, I feel like. (laughs) So my scripture text, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm reading out of the New International Version this morning. This is what it says, verse 17. One day, Jesus was teaching. Now, I just want to point out to you something right there. It was not just any day. It was one day. And in, a, a, in other versions of the Bible, it says a certain day. However you want to say it, God has a day picked out for you. God has a certain day picked out for you. And I'm here to tell you today that today is someone's certain day. Today is someone's certain day where you've walked in here with cancer and you're leaving healed in the name of Jesus. Somebody's certain day is today that you have been struggling with this sickness and this depression and all these things. Today is your day because the healer is in the house today. This is your certain day today. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to preach a lot better if you will help me preach and give me some good amens because I'm about to rear back and preach. So get with me today. Back to verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. Now, I want to point something out to you about this crowd. This crowd was a crowd of doubters. This was a crowd of doubters. The Pharisees were fundamental and they were legalistic. They were teachers of the law, the scribes, and they always wanted to catch Jesus in a fraud. They always were looking for something that they could point out to say that something that Jesus said wasn't true. They had heard of this miracle from Galilee. His fame had spread among the ordinary people. The entire country was running after him. Now they had a chance to see him for themselves. They weren't there to worship. They were not there to see uh, miracles of healing. They didn't believe in any of that. They were critics and they were doubters, but they were about to get an eyeful. That was their certain day too. (laughs) I love it when unbelievers will come to a service like we've already had this morning and God shows up and does unbelievable things. That is a sign to unbelievers that God is who he said he is. Let me tell you something, friend. When God starts healing people in church, when people start walking out of here after they've been rolled in in a wheelchair, when the when the blind begin to see and the lame begin to walk and the deaf begin to hear, friend, you don't have to beg people to come to church. People will want to come because they want to be healed. People want to come in places that the river is flowing. People want to come in places where the waters are being stirred. And friend, the waters are being stirred in this church. I'm telling you, when the healer shows up, you don't have to beg people to come to church. People will come from miles around when they hear what God is doing in this place. Remember, sickness and death are from the devil. Romans 5.12 tells us that sickness and death came on us because of sin. And sin was in the heart of Satan long before mankind ever came along. Lucifer, the devil, always from the beginning of time wanted to destroy God and put him up to be worshipped, put himself up to be worshipped. The Bible says, how you've fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will make myself like the most high. 
He came to this world on a mission to destroy everything that was good and godly. A famous preacher once said, God is a good God, but the devil is a bad devil. God is a good God, but the devil is a bad devil. His mission was to destroy the Son of God who came to this world that was filled with sin, sickness, and death. Christ emptied himself of the splendors of heaven, but he did not leave his divinity behind. Instead, he willingly gave up the prerogative and the privilege of divinity. He laid aside his royal diadem and came to a lowly carpenter shop in Nazareth. He who knew no sin became sin for the purpose of dying for the sins of the world. God had a plan. Touch your neighbor and say, God had a plan. Say it like you mean it. God had a plan. I heard somebody had a preacher voice. I heard that. God had a plan. (laughs) Well, (laughs) one day he came back to Nazareth talking about Jesus. He came back to Nazareth and he went to church. Because that's what he did. I'm going to ask you this. When Jesus shows up in church, is he going to find you there? When Jesus shows up in church, is he going to find you there? I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe in maverick Christians who try to avoid church for any and every reason. I don't, I don't appreciate that, and I don't support that. I don't support the people who try to get out of church because it's a nice day outside and you want to go do something else. I don't support people who don't show up to the house of God who would, you know what really bugs me, if I can just preach on this for a minute, what really irritates me is when people say, well, we're just going to stay home and have church today. We're just going to watch a TV preacher. Let me tell you something, that TV preacher ain't going to come lay hands on you when you're in the hospital bed, sick and dying. That that TV preacher that gets you to send money in so he can send you some, some healing water that he got out of his commode that ain't gonna do anything for you but let me tell you what will what will do something for you is when you show up in the house of God and we call for the elders of the church and they get anointing oil and they anoint your forehead and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost that's what will get you healed friend Whoo! I could preach that for a minute so Jesus went over to the first synagogue of Nazareth and the Bible says that he that they gave him the book of Isaiah to read. And this is what he read about himself. Imagine this. Think about this in your mind. Jesus as a, as a young boy, all these Pharisees and all these scribes who think they know all this stuff and they're so this and that, give Jesus a passage about himself. And this is what he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And he closed the book and he gave it to the minister and sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. They began to say unto them, or he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. God had a plan, and that plan was Jesus. On that day, Jesus served notice on the devil and all of his evil imps that he had came from the seat of glory to invade the domains of hell. He had come to loose the power of sin and sickness. He that knew no sin became sin for our salvation and for our healing. But Satan, too, had a plan. And it was the battle of champions played out on an old rugged cross at Calvary. I'm thinking in this, of this scene in my mind, and, and I can't help but remember. Uh, does anybody remember Carmen? Anybody? Oh, I saw some hands go up real fast in the back. 
Carmen, man, Carmen was the man. Back in the day, he, had, he danced. Now, don't tell old, old school AG churches that I'm talking about Carmen in the pulpit today because they'll get mad because he sang and danced. But, <laughs> but Carmen, growing up as a, as a child, I listen to Carmen all the time, and he so beautifully illustrates this, uh, this battle that's being played out. This is what he said. In the vast expanse of a timeless place where silence ruled the outer space, Ominously towering, it stood the symbol of a spirit war between the one named Lucifer and the morning star, the ultimate of good. For three and a half years, Jesus walked in sinless perfection. He that knew no sin became sin for us. They drove spikes into his hands. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. At any moment, he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him. But about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, as the evening sacrifice was being offered and the blood of the lambs flowed down from the book, the brook Hebron and along what we know, the Via Della Rosa, the Lamb of God bowed his head and said, Father, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. God was dead. The devil didn't want to just kill Jesus. He wanted to kill God's creation too. He wanted to and still wants to destroy you and me. The Bible says that he's come to kill, steal, and destroy all those who have ever been created by God. Everything that was good was on the line that day. And Satan thought that he had been successful. The song that Carmen sings goes on to say this. Now the final blow saved for the final round. Prophetically, Christ's hands came down and Satan struck in vengeance. The blow of death fell Jesus to the ground. God was dead. The last hope for humankind was gone. The father turned his back because he could not stand to look at the lifeless body of his son. The earth began to tremble and day became night. But I'm thankful there was a third day on its way. I'm thankful that there was a third day, that Sunday was on its way. But had it not been for the third day, and had it not been for that Friday, your chance of healing today would be zero. You can't have one without the other. You can't have Jesus just dead and buried in a tomb. No, you got to have him coming out on the other side with the, with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Or else our chance for deliverance and salvation and healing today would be zero. God was dead. Again, I tell you, sickness and death are not from God. In theology, there is an expression of the Hebrew language known as Hebraism. It demonstrates that what is fixed in the mind of God is already accomplished, even though sometimes it is far in the future. Get that in your spirit. It demonstrates that what is fixed in the mind of God is already accomplished, even though sometimes it is far in the future. In this story where Jesus is teaching these critics in Luke chapter 5, Jesus as the Son of God knows Satan's plan against him. He is in the world, but yet he is still God, but he also knows what the outcome will be. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is what? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows where sickness originated from. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But he also sees in Revelation 20 where Satan, death, hell, and the grave are thrown into the lake of fire. When God looks at, somebody needs to write this down on a piece of paper somewhere so you can remember it this week. When God looks at you, 
He sees and he knows where you are. But he sees you as you shall be in divine health and in triumph over the power of the enemy. That's how God sees you. And I'm going to ask you today, whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the doctor's report that says there's nothing more we can do to, for you? You just need to go on home and die. Are you going to believe the banker who said, I'm sorry, you don't have enough money to pay your bills? Or are you going to believe the God of the universe that says you are healed, you are delivered, you are provided for, everything you need is found in me? Whose report are you going to believe today? Verse 17, going back to Luke. This is the scriptural meat of my text today. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. That's already shot material right there. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Your healing is already fixed in the mind of God. He doesn't see you as you see yourself. The power of the Lord is with Jesus, and Jesus is here today to heal the sick. Let faith arise in this place. The presence of the Lord is here. The power of the Lord is here. The old song says, I can feel it in the atmosphere. I just read to you a verse that says the power of the Lord was there to heal the sick. You cannot read the Bible without realizing that Jesus miraculously healed the sick. It was what he did. He was compassionate to those who were sick and offered his miracles as proof of his divinity. Not only did Jesus heal the sick, but the apostles, his disciples as well, carried out the ministry of miraculous healings. Jesus said that you will receive what? Power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be my witnesses and these signs shall follow you. He confirmed his word with signs following And the early church prayed that signs and wonders would be done by praying through the name of Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus, friend. There's still deliverance in the name of Jesus. If you're trying to prove today that healing is not for today, you can't find proof of that in the Bible. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Healing is a part of the atonement of Jesus. More than 700 years before Christ, Isaiah prophesied that by his stripes we are healed. He said, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. You know this verse. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Get that in your spirit this morning. By his stripes, you are healed. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Well, how can we receive healing today? James tells us in chapter 5, if any of you be afflicted, let him pray. You notice he didn't say, if any of you are afflicted, You better hop in the car and run down to the medical center so you can get checked out. Now, what's the first thing he said? If you are afflicted, let him pray. Friend, when's the last time that you didn't immediately pop some pills in your mouth or run down to the doctor to find out what's wrong? When's the last time that you just stopped right where you were and said, you know what? I plead the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for my forgiveness, that was shed for my healing and shed for my deliverance. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my body right now, and I declare that I am healed in the name of Jesus. When's the last time that was your go-to and not the bottle of Tylenol? 
If anyone is sick, let him pray. Then call for the elders of the leaders of the church, and the prayer of faith shall what? Shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Whenever the Holy Ghost is moving in a church, healings take place. Gifts of healing are a spiritual gift listed in 1 Corinthians 12 as a resident in the spirit-filled body of believers. But the healings of Jesus came in response to a word of authority. His word, command, or touch brought relief to the sick. And that is a basic pattern of an apostolic ministry. The doctrine of divine healing is the work of God according to the word of God based on the atonement of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus and to the glory of God. I'm looking today at this house in my mind where the story is taking place. And as Jesus was teaching, go with me in your mind's eye if you would. You can see outside this house a a group of men carrying someone on a cot or on a mat of some type. They were trying to get inside the house, but there was such a large crowd that they couldn't get in. Jesus was inside and he was teaching the teachers, but he knows Even in the midst of all the teaching that Jesus was doing, you knew that he knew somebody was out there that was trying to get to him. Let me tell you something. It might seem like the house is shut down. It might seem like it's going to be impossible to get to Jesus. But friend, when you are trying to get his attention, he knows it. He sees you. He hears you. He might be in a house and you might have to press through a crowd, but he knows where you are. He knows your condition and he won't ever turn you away. Reading back in verse 18, let's pick this story back up. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They came trying to carry a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to make or tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. That's the place I want to be is right in front of Jesus. Amen. I used to know a song that, That goes like this. It says, now the word says the holy healer was passing by one day. There was a man who was afflicted, but he had the faith to say, if I could ever get to Jesus, my healing will be the proof. If I can't get through the door, I'll tear off the roof because there's a healer in the house today. Anybody know that song? Healer in the house. Somebody needs to tear the roof off their doubt today. Somebody needs to to get up on the top of your spiritual house and tear off that doubt and tear off those chains that the devil has put on you and says you are too sick for God to heal you. You're too far gone for God to heal you. You know that cancer is going to come back. There's nothing you can do about that. Somebody needs to tear the roof off of their doubt today and you need to look inside and see that the healer is in the house. Sometimes it's hard to pray for ourselves when we're sick. That's why we need prayer partners to touch God for us. These men in this story are the kind of men and the kind of people that I want around me when I'm sick. Don't send me some Mickey Mouse prayer warriors that can't pray their way out of a wet paper bag. Send me some people that will tear the roof off a place to get me to Jesus. That's the people that I want praying for me in my time of need. These faith, the faith of these friends was stronger than the doubt of the naysayers. If you're trying to touch God for a need, surround yourself with those kind of friends. I heard a story of um, about Oral Roberts. Anybody know who Oral Roberts is? Powerful, powerful uh, televangelist back in his day. Healings took place all the time. But when he was a child, he was laying in bed with tuberculosis. 
and people would come in and they would pray for him and, and they would pray these little prayers and, and all this stuff. But finally, some people full of the Holy Ghost came in and they started praying and they started shouting and they started speaking in tongues. And when they left, he, so, he told his dad, he said, Dad, when I get religion, that's the kind I want. <laughs> when I get religion, that's the kind I want. That's the kind of people that I want praying for me. I believe that's the kind of friends that we see in Luke chapter 5. They were men of faith, and Jesus knew it. Let's look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. There will always be, be some wet blankets and naysayers, though. Look at verse 21, and the critics began to do what critics do. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Wouldn't that be just horrible to be around somebody who always knew what you were thinking? And he was like, I know what you're thinking. He looked at them and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that as the Son of God and the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. I heard a story of a Southern Baptist preacher who was a, he was a missionary. He was out on the mission field, and he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And so he came back to the States, and he was devastated as, as well as you can imagine he would be. And he began to, to look through the Bible, and he began to read these stories of people being healed. And finally, he went to his wife, and he said, you know what? I believe that God can heal me. And so the night before he was to go in for this surgery, he said, I'm gonna, I want to call all these different pastors and preachers together, and I, I want them to come and pray for me all night before I go into this surgery. And so there were Methodists, Episcopal, there were Pentecostals there, there were Baptists there, there were any, anything you can imagine, they were there praying for this man. And the story goes that, that one would take a turn and he would pray a little bit and the other one would take a turn. But finally it got to the, the Pentecostal fella and he just forgot to quit praying. <laughs> he just forgot to quit. When it was his turn, he just went. And the story goes that the Holy Spirit fell in that place. And people began to weep and they began to cry out for this man's healing. People were, they, they sounded and looked like they were drunk. Finally to the point that a nurse had to come in and say, hey, there's no parties on this floor. <laughs> that's the kind of prayer service I want when I'm laying in my time of need. I want some people who are full of the Holy Ghost, who know how to lift their voice. Because I'm telling you, when you are desperate, when you're laying on your deathbed, you're not going to be splitting hairs on doctrine, whether or not he can heal you. You're not going to be looking back and saying, well, I, I've never been taught that he's a healer. No, I'm telling you, there's a point in your life when only the healer can heal you. And at that time, you'll do whatever it takes to get his attention. I'm reminded of my mom when I'm living at home, when I was living at home, there was a time when the enemy was just attacking us right and left. She had to come pick me up from school one day. Now, not every time was, was legit that I was really sick. I just wanted to leave school. But there was a few times that were real. I think this was one of the real times. Let's just go with that. It was a real time. And, <laughs> and I remember she, she brought me home and she put me in bed and, and she was walking out. And I remember she just stopped right in the middle of the living room, and she began to plead the blood of Jesus over our family. 
And I can't ever talk about this and not, not it doesn't affect me because it, it always, it's so powerful to me. Mom, dad, there is power when you pray over your family. There is power when you will stand up in the face of the devil and you plead the blood of Jesus over your family. And as she began to do that, I mean, she started praying and she started speaking in tongues. She started, I mean, she was whooping the devil all around our house. And I remember I I came home the next day and she had cut out red fabric and placed it around the door frame of our house. Why? It's because she knew that the devil could do anything he wanted to do. He could send the death angel to our house if he wanted to. But she knew that she could plead the precious blood of Jesus Christ over our house, over our finances, over our health. And that the death angel would just have to fly right over because we were covered in the blood of Jesus. Back to verse 25. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. That mat that had been his identity was now his trophy. That mat that had been his identity for no telling how long had become his trophy. I'm sure he was glad to have it while he was sick. I'm sure that he was glad to have it so he wasn't laying on the cold, damp ground. But that had become a place of his identity. But now it was his trophy saying, this is what I used to lay on. But look at me now. I'm walking. I'm talking. I'm leaping. I'm praising God. There's a healer in the house today. The rest of that verse says, now, if you're sick and you're feeling lonely, I have good news to bring. For this healer, his name is Jesus, and he is the king of all kings. He rides on the winds of mercy, and there's healing in his wings. So take the roof off your doubts. Let your faith come out, because there's a healer in the house today. If you believe it, say amen. I'm getting ready to wrap this thing up. Just think about how those men felt who had seen their friend miraculously healed. Look at verse 26. This is what it says. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. When we allow the Holy Spirit to move, we'll leave this place and be able to say that every time. We have seen remarkable things today. I know where we have been. We have a heritage of the presence and the power of God, but that doesn't just have to be a heritage. That can be a reality today, friend. It's not just talking about those times where we used to have these awesome healing services. No, that needs to be happening today. The healer is in the house. When the Holy Spirit moves, drug addicts bound by $300 a day habits come to the altar and they weep in repentance, receive prayer and walk away to never be the same again. Cancer patients are anointed with oil. They're prayed over, x-rayed the next day, and the tumors have disappeared. People from cults and false teachers make their way to an old-fashioned altar and they fall in love with the real Jesus. Prostitutes will come. They'll cry out to God, receive forgiveness, and walk away with the true lover of their soul. The demon possessed will come and scream as the authority of Jesus name confronts them and they pass from torment to peace in just a few seconds. New believers are baptized in the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit gives them utterance. Remarkable things happen when the healer is in the house. He's ready to do remarkable things today. I know i got to wrap this up. We've gone long. But if you'll stick with me just for a few more minutes, I want to pray for those of you uh, that want more prayer. I'm going to ask you to come back here in a minute. 
prayer team, I want you to, to, to get ready to pray. We're going to anoint you with oil before you leave. We're, we're, it's all right if we double pray for you. <laughs> Is that all right if, we, if you get two times of prayer today? Matter of fact, go ahead and stand with me because if you don't stand now, I'll probably preach another 30 minutes. Go ahead and stand with me. Today, God wants to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He wants to do for you today what you cannot do for yourself. But you must desire him and invite him to come into your heart and in your life with his power and his presence. You'll never get the desire of your heart looking at your watch. You'll never get the desire of your heart thinking about, man, I can't wait to get out of here so I can go do whatever it is you want to do. God doesn't operate on your time. God doesn't operate when you want him to. The, the, the old saying is he may not come when you want him, but he'll what? He'll be there right on time. If you're in bondage today to sickness or sin or addiction, one moment in the presence of God can set you free. I challenge you right now, begin to fix your, your mind on Jesus. Begin to fix your mind on Jesus. In the Old Testament, there were special miracles of healing, but in the New Testament, the healer had come. The best cure, let me tell you this, friend, the best cure for you today is not the latest drug advertised on television. The best cure is not the latest technological procedure that many times just end up bankrupting your family. The best cure, like I said earlier, is not sending your money into a televangelist and getting miracles for money. The best cure is still to call for the elders of the church and let them anoint you with oil and pray over you, not just as, as somebody, but as a part of your, your church family. There's power in that, friend. There's power when the people that you go to church with stand beside you and lift you up in prayer. I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to tear the roof off some doubt in this place today. We're going to tear the roof off some doubt in this house today. This is the word of the Lord for you today. Almost one-fifth, get this, almost one-fifth of the gospel are stories of healings. You tell me that we don't serve a healing God. One-fifth of the gospel is a story of the healing. There were many others which time did not even permit for the telling. There were many who people who found out that the healer was in the house. The same healer is here for you today. The same healer is here for you today. Jesus is still the answer for us today. He's still food for the hungry. He's water for the thirsty. He is companionship for the lonely. He is salvation for the lost. He is wealth for the poverty stricken. He is health for the sick. He is wonderful. He is a mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the everlasting God. He is the all-powerful, omnipresent, omniscient. He is the only God. And He's here today. The Bible says that he is touched with the feelings of your weakness. He knows where you are today, but your healing is already fixed in the mind of God. 
Your deliverance is already fixed in the mind of God. Your provision is already fixed in the mind of God. His name is Jesus and he is the healer in the house today. Prayer team, I want you to come. I want you to stand around the front and I want you to face out towards the crowd. Brother Chad has some anointing oil and I want want him to come and I want each one of you to get some oil on your finger if you don't have your own. Thank you, Jesus. Right where you are, would you just lift your hands? Will you just worship the Lord? Don't ask him for anything right now. We'll do that in a minute. But just give him praise. Somebody needs to just acknowledge, just say, Lord, I believe that you are the healer. Say it out loud. Somebody needs to just say that out loud. You are the healer. Oh, you are the healer, Lord. You are the healer. It's by your stripes that we are healed, God. You are the healer in the house today. Church, this is this is what I want to happen. We're gonna they're gonna lead you in a song. We're gonna sing that song again that I believe that you are the healer. I know what time it is, but I'm asking you just stick with us a little while longer. This is what I want to happen. If you ever really want to see God move, don't just watch when people come, but respond to him with worship. Pray for people. I mean, as you're standing there and as you're singing, I believe that you're the healer. Believe that and sing it over these people that are coming. So this is a whole crowd participation thing. You're either coming to get prayed for or you're going to stand there and I want you to worship. I want you to sing. I want you to sing the words. I believe that you are my healer and I want it to just be a shout of victory in this place today. Can we do that? If you need need prayer for healing, I want you to come. I know you've already come and that's okay, but I want to come and we want to anoint you with oil. I'm going to do what I feel like the Lord is asking me to do. I don't care if you've already come. If you want prayer again, I want you to step out, make your way down here. We're going to anoint you with oil. Your your church family is going to stand behind you. We are going to sing. We are going to pray. We are going to praise the Lord. We are going to enter into worship. We're going to stand in faith today that God can do the impossible. Cancer, I tell you, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Depression, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Doubt, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Pride, you have to go in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I speak provision in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. Come on, church. Would you lift your voice with me in prayer? Lift your voice with me in praise. We worship you, God. We know that you are the healer. You are the God that we have put our trust, our hope, our faith in. Come on, let's sing this song together. I believe. Lift your voice, sing. Sing.